We've got football coming up tonight. The NFL season kicks off with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Houston Texans. Out on the diamond, it was a beautiful day for some baseball. And heading into 2020, many people thought there would be no high school football. Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. You're listening to WNCT 9 on your side, Sports Talk, with sports director Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight, and Kelsey O'Donnell. All right, welcome back inside the Nine on Your Side Sports Podcast. Brian Bailey, Kelsey O'Donnell, Nolan Knight. And we're joined today by Malcolm Gray. He's Director of Media Relations for Baseball, Women's Golf, and Secondary Role in Football. He's not secondary to anything, though. Malcolm Gray <laughs> runs the baseball. Forget Cliff Godwin. Malcolm <laughs> Gray runs the baseball program at East Carolina. Malcolm, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Malcolm, we, and we're joking about Cliff because Cliff may hear this and he may give you a call. <laughs> but uh, just to start things off, what's it like with a program like East Carolina? East Carolina has struggled in, in a lot of sports for a lot of years. But with baseball, you know, when you go into that press box, every game you go into that press box, you know the Pirates have a chance to win, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we overall ECU athletics has a really great tradition in all of the sports. Uh, you know, uh, lately, though, baseball has uh, has been at the forefront. And it's been that way a long time, starting back, uh, you know, back to 1961 uh, under, you know, then under Hal Baird, Coach Overton, um, Coach LeClaire, uh, you know, Randy Mazie had a couple good years, Billy Godwin did, and then now Coach LeClaire, or excuse me, Coach Godwin, you know, uh, each one of those last uh, three, four coaches have all gone to Super Regional, so uh, we have a very good uh, history of uh, and tradition of baseball. We just got to get over that hump and uh, and make it to the College World Series one time. And, and that's almost the unspoken goal every year. I mean, some years, you know, coach will talk about it a little bit, but but really, when guys you know sign to play at East Carolina, they kind of sign w- with the goal. And, and there have been some great players that have come through that, that didn't quite make it to Omaha, but still. You know, day in and day out at East Carolina University, as Cliff would say, the goal is not only to get to Omaha; the goal is to win at Omaha, isn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, um, if you set your sights on just going, then you're going to end up being the eighth best team in the country, which isn't a bad thing. But you don't just want to go there and get a ribbon for uh, or a trophy for participating. You want to go and showcase your talents versus the other seven best teams in college baseball, and you want to win a national championship. And I think that's you know, across the board, especially since uh, Cliff's gotten to ECU, uh, you talk to a lot of the players, and, you know, obviously I get a chance to be around them a lot. And and uh, one of the things we always have them do is fill out, like, preseason questionnaires. And one of the questions are, you know, what's one thing you want to accomplish in your sport? And almost to a T, every one of them is win a national championship. So that's the mindset that Coach Godwin, Coach Palumbo, and Coach Dietrich uh, have instilled in these kids that they're recruiting. Hey, you come to ECU. Uh, you know, you have a chance to win a national championship and compete, you know, for a conference championship, host regionals. We haven't hosted a super regional yet. We should have, but we just haven't, you know, under Coach uh, Godwin. But that's the uh, that's what they, uh, you know, they preach, and that's what they hang their uh, recruiting on. Well, Malcolm, you're around these guys much more than we are, um, whether that be over Zoom or in person. Has that goal changed any more this year because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus? Is there more of a drive? I know Cliff was saying they're much deeper this year in terms of um, players on the bench and players able to hop out on that field. But is that drive any more um, than it was last year? 
No, I think it's still the same, Kelsey. Um, you know, I think one thing, you know, that uh, – and Coach Godwin has said this, and a lot of coaches have said this, uh, you know, the players for the baseball, the coaching staff this year, their mentality is um, – and it sounds crazy to say, but in the COVID world, it's, you know, appreciate and live for today because you don't know when your season can be canceled. We saw that last year uh, with baseball. You know, we're playing at uh, at UNC Wilmington. We're supposed to have Columbia come in for the weekend, and all of a sudden the Ivy League's cancel. Mm-hmm. Then you find out uh, that the NCAA is canceling all spring championships. The NCAA basketball tournament's canceled. So that's one of the things that, uh, to a T, everybody is talking about. Just worry about today. You worry about tomorrow when you get to tomorrow and playing. I think that's the uh, the main focus right now is, uh, is, you know, do what you can today to be able to play. You worry about tomorrow. And, again, you know, Coach Godwin and, and everybody said on media day on Monday that, the biggest thing is that the players and the coaching staff, they have all grown really tight together. So they're trying to support one another. And, uh, and that's kind of really the main focus is support, you know, one another and do what we can to be able to play today, do things the right way with, uh, you know, with regards to COVID. And then if you do those things, getting to the postseason, getting to the college world series, will all take care of itself. Mike, I'm talking about last season when, you guys were on the road and it started to come out that games were going to be canceled and it seemed like a domino effect. I'm sure that was something that, you know, you will always remember where you were when you found out type of situation. Can you kind of take me through what it was like in the, in those beginning moments and those beginning days when it was starting to look like last season was not going to, to be completed? Yeah. Uh, it was a very, uh, hectic and crazy day. Uh, we're, you know, we had, you know, found out, uh, I think, earlier that day that one of the uh, NBA ba- uh, basketball players tested positive for coronavirus. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of us staffers and coaches were talking about it. Players, not so much. And then we're about 20 minutes away from arriving uh, at Wilmington to get ready to play uh, the Seahawks. And all of a sudden it comes across Twitter that, um, the Ivy League is canceling stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Zach Womack, our athletic trainer, saw it first, and he and I and Corey, Corey Glore, the uh, baseball radio play-by-play, were talking about it. Uh, Cliff uh, then saw the tweet, so we started talking, you know, amongst ourselves, very short, just like, hey, you know, we don't need to say anything to the players about it, even though, you know, we kind of got a feeling the players had started to see it. So, therefore, we're like, okay, well, then, you know, they canceled their season. We're not playing this weekend, so we'll try to find a uh, another opponent. And Cliff will tell you, first and foremost, he never carries his phone to a dugout, but we're trying to find a, a team to come in and play that weekend. And then, uh, and you know, and he's on the phone texting. Coach Palumbo's doing the same thing, mm-hmm. trying to find an opponent. And uh, we didn't find one. Well, then all of a sudden we're in the office uh, on Monday, and then that's when we get the news that the NCAA is canceling all of the um, spring sports championships. And mm-hmm. then the American comes out, and they they cancel their stuff, and it was kind of a snowball effect. Everybody was like that. And then, you know, we were all in disbelief. You know, in how many years college baseball has been going on other than, you know, you know, uh, World War Two or anything like that. This is the longest that anybody's ever had right. off during the baseball season. Yeah. Well, so it was, a... was kind of. It... Go ahead. Uh, it was just it was just kind of uh, surreal. I mean, I remember sitting, 
you know, on St. Patrick's Day, and we're supposed to be playing a baseball game, and I'm hanging out with a couple friends, and I'm like, I literally should be at the ballpark right now doing my job. You know, this is Mm -hmm. not fun. I think I remember you tweeting that or putting something on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, it was just, it was just very surreal. And, uh, you know, it was okay to have the weekend off, you know, but then all of a sudden you realize it's, it's definite. They're not bringing it back, you know, that Tuesday, then you get to the following weekend. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get orders, you know, from, you know, with North Carolina that businesses are closing down you know, just for takeout only, you know, and then it just, it just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it was, uh, as a passionate baseball fan as I am that, uh, I know Bailey definitely knows this, especially with East Carolina, I was devastated. I can only imagine how the players and coaches were. Sure. It was a bummer. I remember I, I felt like we were just starting to get on a roll with baseball. I was learning from Bailey. I had never shot or covered any baseball of any type. Um, so I felt like we were finally starting to get on a roll. So this season will actually be Nolan and I's first for ECU baseball if we make it through the whole season. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot yeah, different. No this... doubt. It's... Yeah, go ahead, Malcolm. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Bailey will tell you it's a lot of fun. And when, and when things are going well and, uh, you know, hopefully maybe later on in the year we can start it. We will be able to have more fans than just the 100 that they're projecting mm-hmm. right now, which are players, parents only. And uh, and when it's rolling, like that regional in 19, Bailey will tell you that it was the most hectic time, but it was <laughs> the most fun I think I've had it, uh, in a long time. Yeah, it was incredible. It really was. Now, now take us through what you guys are going to do differently as we're still in the COVID situation. And I think there's some big news. that I don't know if everybody knows this or not, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding that at one point the American was not going to allow East Carolina or any of the schools um, to be able to to stream all of their games baseball-wise because there's other sports you have to stream. And, and the way that we understood it, that the school, if they were going to stream it, it had to be through the ESPN Plus platform, but they've, they've kind of relaxed those rules, the American has anyway. And so East Carolina will be able to show every baseball game either through ESPN Plus or through the streaming like they used to do it in the, in the old days. I say old days, last couple of years. But but either way, fans that can't go to the games should be able to watch the games, right? Yeah, that uh, you're absolutely right, Brian. Uh, everything that I have heard leading up to today is that, um, you know, some games will be on ESPN Plus, And then, you know, with, you know, 15 sports going on in the spring, you know, we need to be able to spread everything around. So uh, some games will be on ESPN Plus for baseball, and then others we're going to do just like what we did last year um, where we'll have the video feed and we'll be able to pipe in uh, Corey and Coach O for fans. Um, uh, That's the last that I have heard. And, you know, and I was talking with uh, Greg Pierce just the other day who's in charge of our video and technology, and and that's what he's kind of led me to believe that he's heard as well. Uh, Like you said, at the conferences – is going to allow us to be able to do that this year, not just us, but all other uh, co- uh, teams in the conference. Yeah, as far as the media goes, I guess, you know, probably kind of like football, it, we won't be able to send eight, ten, ten people over, but, <laughs> you know, we'll be able to get somebody over to shoot video. And probably the post game, I guess, will be on Zoom, right? We're still working through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ideally, uh, what we'll do, because unlike football, which we have that nice, uh, massive press box. You know, baseball will be a lot limited. So um, one thing for sure we do know of is uh, 
TV stations as well as still photographers, they'll have to shoot everything from the concourse. There will be no field access right. uh, because uh, to protect the team's bubble. Right. Um, for for and then, but at that same time, they'll be able to go anywhere within the concourse area to shoot. So you're not just shooting from home plate. If you want to go down the first base side a little bit or the third base to get different angles, you're more than welcome to do that. As long as where everybody's standing, you know, six feet apart. Uh, inside the press box, we're going to be very limited with space. Um, you know, uh, you know, typically we can fit about 15 members in there. Uh, this year it might be five or six just because everything has to be spread out. Again, those are things we're working through. We uh, haven't officially had a meeting for operations yet. Uh, that is on the way. You know, I think they're still trying to hammer a lot of that out. And then a lot of that comes, you know, down from the conference offices as well. So I don't know if – if our administration has heard that, um, when you talk about post game, it most likely it will be a zoom like what we've yeah. done with, uh, with, uh, football and both men's and women's basketballs. So that's what I am anticipating as of right now. Um, and then it's just working with, uh, you know, uh, either Blake Hardigree or Kobe Bortles, uh, and on the baseball staff of making sure we get a player or two to be able to join. So it's not just coach Godwin after every game, um, that way to be able to help the media out. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we're, we're working through right now, and I don't have the answers. Um, I'm waiting to get clarification on what we can and can't do. And then once we get that, we'll be able to let all the media and photographers and everybody know what's, uh, what's going on. But I hope we're able to, uh, to be able to make that work, which I think we will. It's just a matter of doing it logistically, and, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Our baseball SID, Malcolm Gray, no better guy to sit around and watch a game with, especially down in Clearwater, Florida. Right, my friend? That is very true. That's uh, The Brown Boxer is always a good time, that's for sure. The Brown Boxer. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name of it. The Brown Boxer. Yeah, Malcolm Gray joining us today. Malcolm, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you at Clark LeClaire Stadium soon, February 19th, opening day. Opening day. Can't wait. 23 days from now. So uh, get ready, and it uh, should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see you guys out there with us. All right. Thanks, Thanks Malcolm. Thanks so much, Malcolm. 23 days away. 23, the number that Cliff Goblin wears in honor of the former East Carolina Pirate baseball coach, Keith LeClaire, who left us way too early uh, after suffering with Luke Gehrig's disease. But uh, just a part of baseball history at East Carolina on display 23 days from today, opening day for East Carolina and Rhode Island coming up for that three-game series. Now, a couple of other notes about baseball that we didn't talk to Malcolm about before we go change the subjects, but uh, the American is going to go to a four-game conference slate on the weekends, and the coaches are asking to play two games on Friday. So there'll be a, a doubleheader at some point on the weekend, but they'll play games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four games in three days, and there'll be no midweek games during the conference slate, which is very, very uh -huh. different. Because you know we, we've always said that, that during the week, you, know, you might play a, a North Carolina State or North Carolina or Duke, and you want to throw your number one, number mm -hmm. two, but you uh -huh. don't. You don't in college baseball yeah, because be you've got the conference uh, schedule on the weekend. So no conference or no non-conference play in the midweek coming up this year for Pirate Baseball. So baseball is going to be a lot different this year with no fans in the stands. You guys haven't had a chance to see it yet, but when East Carolina plays a midweek game in late April – uh, when it, it, it's 75, 80 degrees out, and mm -hmm. there's you know 6,000 folks at the ballpark, it's slammed. I mean, it's just so much fun, and it's it, we go live and get everybody ready for the games. And as Malcolm said, you know the regionals, you know in 19, it was just incredible. I mean, the really? big crowds and going live, and and in that region, we just kind of lost our first game. 
And mm-hmm. so they had to come all the way through the losers mm-hmm. bracket, and and they had to play doubleheader on, on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I think that's what it ended up being. But it was just baseball at baseball. I remember going live at noon in the um, on the Monday and saying, "Hey, this could be one of the greatest sports days in, in East Carolina history <laughs> because the Pirates could be playing, you know, for a super regional berth if they win the afternoon game, which they did, and then they won the night game. And it was uh, it's a lot of fun when when." The nation is looking at East Carolina and Greenville, North Carolina. You know, Carolina, I'm excited so. for some warmer weather. The few games that I do remember being at for ECU baseball, we were all bundled up, and I could barely feel my fingers right yeah. behind a home base. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be fun, or it, it's going to be it's going to be great that East Carolina baseball will finally, you know, hit the diamond again. But it, it really, it, it stinks that it's not going to be the same atmosphere that it was last year. But the the best news that I heard through that whole conversation with Malcolm was the fact that we will get to be there, and, and baseball mm-hmm. will be played in 23 days, as you mentioned, and, and that's. That's what is good, and, and as the season goes on, maybe there will be more fans in the stands by the time you know the, those regionals come come along. And I talked to uh, Cliff Godwin earlier this week, and and I asked him, I said, "Do you have coaches you know on speed dial? Because mm-hmm. if you guys get a cancellation, you know, a postponement or a cancellation, and you, you're looking for a game, and go, oh yeah, we're, we've all talked about it. And if you know, if if, if Wilmington you know loses a game, we lose a game, we're gonna try to play. If, if right. Elon, you know." Greensboro. I mean, there's so many ties in the state, and our state is blessed with great college baseball. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to play games, and and the Pirates were supposed to play North Carolina State in a home and home, and the schedule came out for the American, and it wiped out that weekend that were uh, East Carolina was supposed to play NC State. But that's still very much a possibility if there has to be a filling game. Mm-hmm. So that's good news as well. Well, it's so tough too because I I. I love to be organized and trying to just plan out my schedule with these games. It's been tough to learn to just kind of take a step back and, hey, things are going to get moved, things are going to get postponed, canceled, everything. So this will be a fun season. Just got to be flexible. (laughs) I haven't hosted the uh, coaches' shows since I think it was the early 90s. And we've got them back now. And Jeff, when we got them back, Jeff Charles was hosting, and now I'm hosting. But I've never done it through Zoom before. I mean, it was was crazy. I've done. we did one Mike Houston show with Zoom, and we did one full Joe Dooley show with Zoom, and it's it's just it's so different because yeah. used to having the guy beside you, uh-huh. and really, you know, since we started, I, I don't even have anybody beside. Me. We're like six feet away, you know, yeah. trying to do the coaches' show, so it's a little different. All right, uh, we, we're kind of getting long, so let's uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl matchup. Talk about the two games. Get your guys' uh, ideas on uh, Tampa Bay knocking off Green Bay thirty-one twenty-six, and Kansas City beating Buffalo thirty-eight twenty-four. Uh, the Chiefs Bills game to me was pretty much, you know, Kansas City, as they did last year in the playoffs, they got off to a bad start. Buffalo led 9 nothing, and then Kansas City kind of controlled the game mm-hmm. from there. But the game I want to ask about is the Tampa Bay-Green Bay My game. My goodness. Because there, <laughs> there was a play, you know, it's 31-23. It's third and eight, third and goal from the eight. Aaron Rodgers rolls out. You know, he Looks throws like it, he's got space. Looks like he's got space, and he throws an incompletion. So on fourth and eight, uh, Matt LaFleur and everybody, they decide that they're going to kick a field goal, which cut it to 31-26. First of all, should they have even kicked the field goal? The, Fourth and eight's hard, but did the field goal do them any good? The more and more that I think about it, I thought that the more I would think about it, the more it would make sense to me. But as time has passed, the more and more I think about it, it makes even less sense because <laughs> of so many different reasons. You're down by one score. It's eight points. So you kick the field goal. You have to rely on your defense to get a stop. If you go for it on fourth and eight and don't get it, you're still down one score and you still have to rely on your defense to get a stop. So if you wanted to rely on your defense, why wouldn't you go for it, pin them inside of the 10 if you don't get it and rely on your defense to get a stop? 
in that situation, instead of kicking it off, and then they're going to get the ball at the 35, more field to work with, right. harder to stop them in that situation anyway. I think that's the, the, the key right there is the fact that if, if even if you miss it on third and eight, now it's, you know, on fourth and eight rather, then they've got the ball at the eight-yard line. If you pick up five yards, they've got the ball at the three-yard yes. line. If you pick up seven and a half yards, they got the ball at the half-yard line. Agree. Now, the other play on the third and eight play when Rodgers scrambled out, it looked like if he would have pumped to his left I think he and took there. off running – now, maybe he doesn't score, which I think he might have. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't score, he's tackled at the one or two. Yep. Now it's fourth and goal at the two. And you got to think you got to go for it there. So I, I think that. Even if you score a touchdown, it, you'd have to go for a two-point Right, and if you don't get the two-point conversion. And you're still going to have to rely right, on your exactly. defense to get a stop. So yeah. it, it makes no sense. And I really thought that, you know, maybe there'd be some analytic would come out. That would make sense of it, and it still doesn't make any sense of it. If you're Aaron Rodgers today, are you kicking yourself thinking those two plays could have locked in maybe a future? Do you think he'll be coming back next year? Do you think this is something that he's going to look on for the rest of his life and be I like, think oh, my goodness? I think, think so? he'll be back, but I think, I, I think the whole thing, why would Green Bay draft a quarterback in the first round if you're going to keep Aaron yeah. Rodgers around? I think they are, but I just didn't understand because you're so close. I mean, look how close they were this year. If they had a first-round draft mm-hmm. pick that was, you know, a playmaker of some sort, what Aaron Rodgers wanted was a receiver. But you know, if you get a receiver in there, they can help him out with that offense. But yeah, I, I was because the, the NFL is so cyclical that teams, you know, you gotta you gotta take advantage of it when it's your time. And I say that because my beloved Dallas Cowboys had a couple of years <laughs> in, in, you know, not so distant past that they were NFC East champs, thirteen and three. But number one seeds, but they were upset by the Giants. I think it was the Giants one year and the Packers one year. Aaron Rodgers got them one year. And the Giants, when the Giants upset the Patriots one of those two times, you got to take advantage of those situations. Get in the championship game. Get in the Super Bowl. And if you don't, then the cycle goes back around and it takes you a while. Tell you what I am tired of talking about and hearing about is Tom Brady. And, and here we are again with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl for the 10th time. Oh he has now as many NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, both with one NFC championship. And, and he's been in it for one year. So. Yeah. To be completely honest, at the beginning of the year, if you told me he'd be back at this game, I would have called you a liar. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, would, I, I didn't believe it. I thought they would be it. good, but I didn't think they would. Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't play. I didn't take into uh, account the Tampa Bay defense as much as I should have. If you look at that defense, and they're That's helping. they're pretty good defensively, and I think that that you know they had pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and, and maybe that's why Aaron Rodgers didn't run. You know, on, on that third and eight, maybe he mm-hmm. you know he was like, I mean, I'm tired of getting hit. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> taking. Off. I'm gonna fling this thing in the end zone. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the pressure they got on Rodgers made the difference. And, and, of course, Tom Brady had a – you know, the touchdown pass he threw right before the half. I mean, how does how does so just Green Bay's ages. defense – yeah, When's he going to retire? It doesn't look like anytime soon. And when I was a kid – this is way back before your times, obviously – but George Blanda was about the same age – as Tom Brady is now. And George Blanda, I think he smoked cigarettes on the sideline. <laughs> he looked like he was 60, and he would go out and rescue the Raiders. I remember as a kid, it was a 4 o'clock game. It was on NBC. He would come out, and he would rescue the Raiders. You know, Daryl LaMonica was their starter. I can't remember I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I remember all these little things. And it was fascinating to watch this old guy come in. He'd limp out, and he'd throw pass after pass and lead him to a victory. Now, Tom Brady doesn't limp out. No, out. he's Tom on Brady the sidelines like, doing yoga yeah, and like, keto like diets. He's, <laughs> he's a senior in college, so he looks good. 
But anything else you guys want to chip in before We've got we get out of here? The goat and the kid. I'll tell you, I told I saw something, I think it was on Twitter, that when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, um, Patrick Mahomes was what? Preschool? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Yeah. That was a funny they put a side by side and I think um looking at it, Tom Brady looks like he's aging backwards. Yeah. You'll have to take I a look need, at this. Try that. <laughs> yeah. I'm aging forwards. That's TB12 diet. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. Uh, Kansas City right now about a three, three and a half point favorite over Tampa Bay. But we'll go into details. Take a look at some of the prop bets maybe next week too. They're always fun uh, to take a look at. I want to thank Malcolm Gray, Director of Media Relations at East Carolina. He specializes in baseball, women's golf, and he's secondary in football. But a great, great guy. I want to thank him for being on with us. Uh, opening day for Pirate Baseball, February the 19th. Uh, that's when East Carolina takes on Rhode Island coming up in a three-game series at Clark LeClaire Stadium. So for the Night on Your Side Sports Podcast, for Kelsey O'Donnell and Noah Knight, I'm Brian Bailey.